having the Dice family tonight. And so, I'm uh, Shane, if you want to come, and and uh, he's got a video, and I let him kind of lead this time. And so it's all yours. And uh, we're thankful for the friendship, and we're thankful. Thank what a blessing it is to be with you all tonight. And thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Church, for having us in. And uh, we were here, I think maybe last fall we stopped in for a service, but it is a blessing to be here for a meeting tonight. My name is Shane, and then my wife Jericho is sitting right over here, and uh, her name is spelled just like the Bible name, and uh, her sister actually picked her name out, and it was almost Jerusha, but praise the Lord, it ended up being Jericho, and I tell people the way that we met is I marched around her a couple times, and she <laughs> fell down, and the rest is history, and then... We, um, we kind of had like a fun naming thing with our kids. We, our firstborn is Aiden, so we started with A, and then our secondborn is Zoe. We went, we went to Z, so A to Z, and then we had a few pets and um, in between, and then we had our daughter Riley. So uh, what a blessing it is to be here tonight, and we're the dice, as our pastor said. Uh, we should tell churches to roll the dice to England, so that's, that's how you remember our family. But uh, we're going to show our video now. We started um, on deputation at the beginning of 2021, so we've been on the road for 15 months now, and God is blessed. We have 58% of our support coming in, praise the Lord, and um, another 3% of churches that have taken us on recently. So we're excited. Once we hit 85% of our support coming in, then we'll set a date, and we'll let all the churches, the supporting churches, know that. And um, so we're excited about that. We're getting closer and closer. And uh, we took these pictures from our video in 2019, and that is when the Lord really spoke to my heart about the need in England. I had this idea in my mind that there were a lot of churches in England. I had this idea in my mind growing up in church that there were a lot of missionaries over there. But when we arrived over there, we landed in London, spent a few days there, and then one of the veteran missionaries met us in London, and I, my family, we drove with him south from there for about four and a half hours. And on that drive, he pointed out all these places that had no church. And I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom that, that there were, I mean, I'm seeing literally cities of thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people with no gospel witness. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't even comprehend it. I'm thinking, really? Is that, I mean, are you telling me the truth? And, and he was, and, um, you know, he told me the stories of missionaries that had gotten older. You know, there is a number of missionaries that have served on the foreign field for many years. And the missionary uh, population, if you will, is, is getting older. And so there were some that came off the field. And after they came off the field, some of those churches closed their doors. Some of those churches joined up with the Baptist Union, which has a different set of doctrinal beliefs. And, and then there were other cities where there never was a gospel witness. One of the places that uh, I'm praying about about starting a church, you know, down the road is a city called Bristol with over 400,000 people and no gospel witness. I mean, it's just mind-blowing, 467,000 people and nobody there to preach the gospel to them. The, we're going to be focusing in the southwest part of England, so in the Devon and Cornwall area, and the missionary that we're going to work with when we get there, he started a church in Plymouth last fall, and they have 300,000 and they're the only church, only independent Baptist church in a city of 300,000. And then in the neighboring county, Cornwall, there's 52 towns, and they're all little small towns in that county. And there's only one independent Baptist church for the whole county, 565,000 people. So it, there's just a great need. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And I was praying that 
um, earnestly praying that for our, our aging missionaries that our church supported. We had some that had some health issues, and there were some that needed some, you know, some help um, in the ministry because they were getting older, and there was a possibility of them coming back. And, and as I prayed for those things after we went on that trip in 2019, the Lord began to soften my heart to going. I knew that when God brought us to our church, Beth Haven Baptist Church, that's where God put us. I knew that that was a step of faith for our family when we came there. But I, but I prayed that I would be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, that you know, I would continue to follow his leading in my life. And even if that meant taking my family you know, across the world, there's nothing that's right where I wanted to be because there's nothing better than being in the center of God's will. And so after praying for almost a year, we went in September of 2019 to England. And then in August of 2020 is when the Lord spoke to my heart about going. And I told my wife and our pastor, and we prayed together for about a month. And after a month of prayer, the Lord confirmed that in our hearts, that that's what he wanted us to do. And so we're going to go ahead and show the video now. And again, these are pictures from our trip in 2019. light of the gospel once shined brightly from this land, but no longer is it a place of rich Christian faith. No longer is it the gospel light of Europe and around the world. It is a land of abandoned churches, a land of religious tradition without Christ, a land where atheism, agnosticism, and humanism are on the rise, while biblical Christianity is diminished. People are hopeless seeking for a cure, seeking for freedom, but the answer is not in man's decrees or plans. The answer is Jesus, for only in him is true liberty and freedom of the soul found. Many are turning to their own devices and despair without hope, their lives being wrecked by all manner of sin and vice. Who will go to share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to a godless land without hope? In 2019, my wife and I went on a missions trip to England to visit our veteran missionaries, the Gossmeyers and Grissoms. While driving to Cornwall from London, Brother Gossmeyer pointed out town after town that at one time had a Bible-believing Baptist church, but no longer did. God burdened my heart for the need to bring back the gospel to the millions who no longer had it. While there, we had the opportunity to canvas, hand out gospel tracts, preach, and take part in public outreach events. God used all of those outreach opportunities to give me a greater burden for the people and their need for the Lord. God has called us, the Dice family, to take the message that Jesus saves and there is hope. On August 2nd, 2020, God spoke to my heart in the morning service and told me, It is time. I knew what that meant, for I had been praying for almost a year. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Our names are Shane, Jericho, Aiden, Zoe, and Riley. We're the Dice family, 
missionaries to England. I was saved at the age of 11 after struggling for years with the profession I made at five. I doubted and doubted, but knew that if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven. One Sunday morning, it seemed my Sunday school teacher was speaking directly to me, and the Holy Spirit convicted me of sin and my need to be saved. That morning, following the main service, I went to the altar, and there my teacher showed me from the Bible how I could be saved. I repented of my sin and asked the Lord to save me. Hi, I'm Jericho. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church every service. Every special service, conference, and revival, I was there. I made a profession of faith at the age of four and relied on that for several years, but it wasn't a true salvation. In the sixth grade, I made another profession, but again, it was not a real salvation. Then, after my senior year of high school at summer camp, Brother Rick Dawson was preaching and gave his testimony. He had made a profession of salvation, then years later, after he was already pastoring a church, he realized that he wasn't saved. But he was afraid of what people would think if he made that known, so he put it off for a while. But he came to the realization that it didn't matter what others thought, it was his eternity at stake. Then one evening in cabin devotions, one of my classmates gave a very similar testimony. I had been struggling for years, knowing that my two prior professions of salvation were not genuine. Hearing those two testimonies that week at camp helped me realize it didn't matter what others thought. I didn't need to let that fear keep me from spending my eternity with God. So that night, praying with my youth pastor's wife, I repented of my sins and asked the Lord to save me. As a young person, and through my teen years, I knew that God wanted me to surrender my will to His. I grew up in a church planner's home, and as a teen my family moved to New York City as missionaries. Being raised in a church planner's home, God gave me the opportunity to see what it's like to start a church from nothing, to do street evangelism and discipleship. God also used that experience in my life to keep my heart soft to His will. Having a burden for missions, I attended Bible college and graduated with a missions degree. Several years later, while serving the Lord in the church, I met my wife and we were married in June of 2013. God led us to Beth Haven Baptist Church one year later, and there we grew tremendously in the Lord while serving in the children's ministry as teachers, being involved in the music ministry, being a deacon, and teaching the college and career class. Pastor Rick Carter of Beth Haven Baptist Church, I'd like to introduce you to Shane and Jericho Dice, who've been faithful members of our church since 2014, and they've served in our church in many different capacities, from children's Sunday school teachers, nursery, children's church, and even up into teaching our college and career class, and Shane has served as a deacon for the last several years. It was just a little while ago that they went with us on a mission trip to visit our already established missionaries in England. And after coming back, God began to work on their hearts about going. I wholeheartedly recommend them to your church, and I pray that you will ask the Lord whether you can be a part of the ministry as they join our church planting team in England to see souls saved and churches established for the glory of God. Our goals are the following. To evangelize the lost, to baptize the saved, to disciple, to counsel biblically, 
and to plant independent Baptist churches. 1 Chronicles 16, 24 and 25 says, Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. So many in England are turning from empty religion and the vain philosophies of men. But how will they know the truth without someone to tell them? We have surrendered to God's call to go. Would you consider partnering with us to send the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to England? Well, I thought I would take some time right now to take a few questions. If you have any questions about our family or our ministry, uh, we'd be happy to answer those questions. Um, so at this time, I'd like to open it up to the floor if there's anybody that might have a question about the country or about our ministry. Yes, ma'am. Uh, you said you do ministry in Southern New Brunswick. Yes, ma'am. Uh, how were, were the people accepting and were they kind of closed off? Or? Right, so um, the English people are very personable by nature. Not, not that they will you know, tell you their life story. Um, they are private, but they're very friendly and that's part of their culture. And so when we, um, as the picture showed, I stood out in the street, and they call that, um, the area where I was standing, they call it a circus. So instead of calling a, um, just like we have Penn Square Mall, they would call that a circus, Penn Square Circus. But a lot of times they have these outdoor areas, like outlet malls, um, with shops and things, and that's where I was. And the people were very receptive. I mean, I, most people did take a gospel track. I didn't have anybody that really stopped to have a conversation with me but they were receiving them and they weren't throwing them on the ground. So, you know, and you know that that's what the English people do is they'll take, you know, information and they will, you know, consume that information, they'll read it and they may not come to your church, but just a couple months ago, one of the men that we're going to work with over there, he was in his normal spot handing out gospel tracts and a lady, a Chinese woman came up to him and she said, "I received one of these 3 years ago." I'm so glad that you're still out here handing out the gospel. So they, they know like that you're there and they, you know, and they be, they're aware of it and the Lord is working in their hearts. It just takes a lot of time um, to give you an idea. There was a man that his name was, his name is Matt. And one of the missionaries worked with him and his wife, Matt and Mandy for a year and had times of, you know, dinner with them and having over to their home and different things. It was a full year before Matt grasped the concept that he was a sinner. A full year of Bible conversations. I mean, it's not as though they're just, you know, talking about the weather and, and getting to know. I mean, they were spending time getting to know one another, but they're having discussions about the Bible over a year. And it was just one day something was said and it clicked for him. He's like, I get it. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. And, you know, until somebody gets to that point where they're lost, they can't be saved. And so the people are, they are receptive. It's their tradition and culture to be that way. Um, they're very moral people. It's their tradition and culture to be that way. So it's a big hurdle um, for them to accept that they are a sinner. It's a big hurdle for them to get to that point where they're ready to be saved. And so, you know, that's a matter of prayer for 
us as we go that the Lord would help us to be able to, to build those relationships with people um, and to have those long-lasting relationships of continually teaching the word, discipling them. We see that a lot in England and other countries in Europe where in America we think of discipleship coming after, that, after somebody gets saved. Over in Europe, it's, there's a lot of discipleship to bring them to that point where they're ready to be saved. And so that's definitely a matter of prayer for us. Anybody else? Yes, sir. And I'm giving you guys, you know, a broad perspective of, you know, I traveled a lot of ground in four and a half hours. I'm giving you guys a, I don't want to paint you, I want to be realistic in what um, the conditions are. And I think you'll find that same scenario, not just in England, but even here, you know, in America, we've, we've been to many churches or I've emailed a lot of churches even here in America that they say, we would love to have you in, but we don't have a pastor right now. And, you know, that same scenario over there happens in England where um, God moves a man, you know, down the road from that church. Then they have, you know, deacons or, you know, public committee or whatever, and they're looking for somebody to take that spot. And sometimes I know of a work that was started by, he's now a pastor in um, Ohio, and there was another missionary that God had called, a younger family, and they took that work, and it's a thriving work. So there are stories of, of works continuing on, but it, it is a needy place, whether it's, you know, somebody, you know, got older and came out the field and the doors closed, or maybe that church went off in doctrinal error, or maybe it's still going. Um, there's all sorts of things at play in the story of why, there needs to be more missionaries that go, why there needs to be more churches planted. In England, there's 56 million people, and as best I can tell from doing some research, there's 25 independent Baptist churches for 56 million people. And the country is the same in land size as Alabama. Alabama has 5 million, a little over 5 million people, and 348 independent Baptist churches. So, you know, 5 million, 348, 56 million and 25. So there's there's a great need, and it's it's not just um, it's not just England. We have another missionary out of our church going to Italy, and he was running some numbers, and he was saying that the number of churches per capita in Italy would be as though in America there wouldn't even be enough churches for one per state. Some states would have to share a church, and you know that's that's just the conditions on the ground in Europe, um, and there are many other places like that. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Right. Yeah. So it's a growing population, but I wouldn't say it's the biggest influence. Um, the majority of people in England are either agnostic or atheist. Um, the, the population of Muslims in the country 
it, combining it with those that are of the Muslim faith and the Hindu faith and the Buddhist faith comprise about 6% of the population. So it's not, I don't think, an overwhelming number. I actually thought when I, when I saw that, I, thought I was underwhelmed by that number. Um, and in the part where we're going in the southwest part of the country, there aren't as many Muslims, but they did build a new mosque um, near where we're going, I'd say about 10 years ago. Um, so there is a growing number of them. But then, you know, Brexit um, and, and immigration and all that uh, played a big role in Brexit um, because as a country being part of the EU, once, some, once an immigrant crossed one of those outlier countries like Hungary or um, those, other, those other countries that were on the border of the EU, once they crossed that border, they could go to any country in the EU. And so that's why, that was one of the reasons why Brexit happened is because they had no control over their borders. Um, and now they do, not that they're not accepting immigrants, but they have a say in how many come in. Yes, sir. <laughs> so as far as starting churches there in England, how friendly is the government to establishing a church? Yes, sir. We won't have any opposition. We'll actually go on a religious visa. And there's actually a man that's been there for over 20 years, and he sponsored about 30 missionaries that are there. Um, and we'll be pursuing our permanent residency on a religious visa. And uh, so there's not any opposition from the government to be able to do that. We also will have freedom as far as outreach. We can even put literature in people's mailboxes over there. They call it letterboxing, and so it's not illegal to put you know, church literature in someone's mailbox. And then um, as far as meeting, assembling, COVID, I mean, with COVID, they were very strict. It would have been very similar to like rules in, in New York, New Jersey, or California, but they also were one of the first countries in Europe to do away with all of their restrictions. So um, as far as I know, there's not, and I haven't heard that there are any from the missionaries that we're going to be working with. Yes, sir. Yeah, so when we move, we'll probably um, be getting, we're going to be working for the first term down in Plymouth, and um, we're looking at a city called Saltash, and it's kind of just, it's outside of Plymouth, and it's in between um, the missionary that we're going to be working with primarily and another one out of our church, and so it's kind of right in between the two where we can help the one with big projects and focus on the other ministry, and the housing in that area, um, in the Devon Cornwall area, for you know, a three-bedroom house for our family is probably going to be around 1,400 pounds a month, which would um, translate to um, seven or $1,800 U.S. So at, as of the exchange right now, it's $1.30 U.S. to one pound. And that can change, too, because the missionary out of our church that's been there the longest, he's seen it, the highest it was, was two to one. So, you know, there's that and inflation um, that are affecting home prices. But the cost of our home will probably be the most expensive personal expense that we will have. And so just praying the Lord um, provides that for us that we don't have to spend a whole lot out of pocket for that. 
take one more question if there's another one. Okay, this time my family's going ahead, going to go ahead and come and sing. And while they're coming up, um, I have a quick quiz for you all tonight. So um, a lot of people will tell us that they praise the Lord that we don't have to learn the language over there. So I thought I'd give you guys, just we're going to sing. Um, I thought I'd give you a quick quiz on the English language. So over there in England, what do you think they call the hood of a car? A bonnet. A bonnet? What about the boot of a car? Or sorry, I, I gave it to you. <laughs> What do they call the boot? It's the trunk. Um, what do they call the windshield? Yes, windscreen. And maybe somebody in the crowd will know this one. Most people don't. Give it away. <laughs> um, what do they call the alternator? The dynamo. And the kids like this one. Um, what do they call a pacifier? Dummy. <laughs> So it is, it is English, but it's different. Okay, we're not going to do a quick song. to you, take control each day, I will follow anywhere, near or far away, here am I, Lord, send me, here am I, Lord, send me. I will serve you faithfully, here am I, Lord, send me. Lord, I want your perfect will, be my faithful guide. I will never be afraid, you are close me. have your Bibles, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. 
What a blessing it is to serve the Lord and to say, here am I. Here am I. Isaiah chapter 6, and we'll begin in verse number 1 tonight. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. And the Bible says here, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe, am, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here tonight with your people. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would speak to us, Lord, through your word. We're thankful that you are here, for you promised where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. And we ask and pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us as only he can. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we see in this passage of Scripture the story of Isaiah and the story of Uzziah, a great king who died. And Uzziah was a man that God greatly used militarily there in the nation of Israel. He was greatly blessed by God. He was a man who in his later years was lifted up in pride, but he was a great man. He was a great king. And Isaiah was a great man of God. Isaiah was a great prophet of God. And the book of Isaiah is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love the book of Isaiah. I love all of the prophecy that is there in the book of Isaiah telling of uh, our com the coming Messiah. And there are, some, there are some treasures there, Isaiah 9, 6 and others that we, that we know often by memory, and those passages of, of Scripture are a great blessing. But here we see that Isaiah had taken his eyes off the Lord. We, hear, we see here that Isaiah had put his eyes upon a man. And you know, sometimes in our life, through, through life circumstances, uh, we can do that. We can do that, whether it's a father, whether it's a father figure, a mother, a pastor, a friend, uh, a president, a, an administration, um, you know, you, you name it, it could be anyone uh, that you put there in that place, uh, that position that eclipses Almighty God. And you think about uh, not long ago, there was a lunar eclipse. And you think about how that the, the moon is smaller in size than the sun, and yet the moon eclipsed the sun, because of, because of the positioning and the, the, the perspective of being here on earth, the moon, as it passed in front of the sun, appeared bigger, bigger than the sun was. 
and it, it completely eclipsed the sun. You think about the moon that gives off none of its own light. It has only reflective uh, capabilities, and yet the moon, smaller in size, having no light, completely blackened the sun. You know, sometimes we can allow people into our life to eclipse Almighty God. Sometimes we can allow circumstances in our, into our life that will eclipse Almighty God. And sometimes we have to, we have to just pause and, and ask the oh Lord, is there someone or something that has come into my view that has eclipsed you, O oh Lord? Is there someone or something that has become more important to me than you are, O oh God? And even though Uzziah was a great man, he was, he was a man that, that did a lot of great and mighty things, he is not God. Uh, no man can measure up to our God. There is none like our God. There is none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. There is, no, there is nobody who is perfect like our God. There is nobody who is powerful like our God. There is nobody who is all-knowing like our God. There is nobody who is omnipresent like our God. There is no one like our God. But yet, we can let people and things eclipse him. And that is what happened here. But Uzziah died. We are all, as humans, we, we all have one thing, one thing that is for sure. And that is that we all have a date that we will pass away from this earth. One thing is for sure that we have, we have an end date unless the Lord Jesus comes back in our lifetime. We have, we have a date uh, where our life will end. And Uzziah died. And in that moment of his death, Isaiah saw the Lord. You know, what a wonderful moment that was for Isaiah. You know, when we see the Lord, what a wonderful thing that is. You know that the Lord had never left his throne, that God Almighty was there. He, he had never left that position. He was there, and he had never left it, that position. He, he, he had never left his glory. He was, he was there in all of his glory and all of his might and all of his power. And we can see here that uh, he is there on his throne, high and lifted up, and that his train filled the temple, that there is great majesty there, that there is great power there. And we can see that, uh, that even the doors uh, moved when he, when he cried at the voice of him that cried. There was is, there is great power there in the throne room of God, and, and God who is almighty and all-powerful, he was still there. And I love how the Bible says that he changes not. In a world where things are constantly shifting, constantly changing, we have a God who doesn't change. Uh, one thing that I love about the truth of the Word of God is that it doesn't change. And, you know, one thing that we, we ought to take to heart is that we live in a, in a culture that is constantly changing, but we have a, a Bible that is, it's not American culture, it's not Jewish culture, it's not any world culture, it's Bible culture. It stands apart from all of those things, and it, and it has uh, the truth of the Word of God doesn't change. And in a world where uh, we see so many times Everybody saying my truth this and my truth this and and really what it is it's an opinion we take oftentimes we see people taking their opinions and and promoting them as truth but the truth of the word of God has been established forever in heaven it is forever settled in heaven and it it doesn't change it is it is settled God said it and that settles it praise the Lord but we see here that 
the Almighty God, who had never uh, left his place there in his might and his glory, uh, revealed himself to Isaiah when Uzziah died. You know, we all need to do a check. Do a check and ask and see, and see if uh, we are looking to a man or looking to Almighty God. The book of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That ought to be the focus of every believer looking unto Jesus. I believe that this passage of Scripture is very telling for us as believers. It's very revealing. I believe it gives a pattern to us as believers to hear the voice of God. I'm going through this passage because I believe tonight that God is still calling men and women, boys and girls, into his service. Whether that be here at Cornerstone Baptist Church to reach your community here and more, whether that be uh, to, to, to go and, and, and go to Bible college or uh, minister in some other state here in the U.S., to be a pastor's wife or a pastor or a missionary or to be just a faithful layperson, but whatever it is, just to be fully surrendered to the will of God because God has a will for you just like he has his will for our family that we take the gospel to England. God has his perfect will for your life. And if, and if you are allowing things, circumstances, or people to eclipse God, you'll never see him for who he is. And then you'll never see yourself for who you are, and you may not hear his voice. We see here that Isaiah, first of all, after, after King Isaiah died, he saw God for who he is. And then he saw himself for who he was. In verse number five, then said I, woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know what I see here is I see humility on the part of Isaiah. You know what I see here is I see a man who, who saw God in all of his holiness. We serve a holy God, and we see in, in verse number 3 uh, that they cried one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The holy God that we see here in this passage, he's still the same God today. He's still a holy God. He says in the scriptures, be holy for I am holy. We have a holy God. And we see that Isaiah saw him for who he was, that he was a holy God. And then he saw himself for who he is, that he was a, that he was a man that was a sinful man, that he was a sinner. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. The book of Isaiah tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I saw, I saw this um, video. Maybe you saw it as well, but I saw this video on um, Facebook, and it was a, a sheep that a shepherd was helping out of this crevice in the earth, and he helped lift this sheep up out of this crevice that he was stuck in. There was no way that he was going to be able to get out on his own. And that sheep didn't stop there for one moment. That sheep did not stop and think the person that lifted him up out of that crevice. But as soon as he got out of that, he just ski-diddled right on down about 20 feet and got right back down into the same hole, into the same crevice. You know, sometimes we're like that. We, 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 the Lord helps us in something, and, and uh, we get the victory in something, and we're, you know, we're just... Uh, we forget, though, that it was the Lord, maybe, that helped us, and we're just, you know, thinking to ourselves, man, I've, man, I finally figured it out. I finally, you know, got it all together, and we, we go along our merry 
way and then we stumble and fall. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We find, we're like, oh no, oh Lord, please help me. And, uh, you know, the Bible says all we like sheep, we have all gone astray. We have all done things in our life maybe that we wish, man, I, that, was, that was a dumb decision. I can't believe that, that I made that decision. Or, uh, you know, Lord, please help me in this area of my life. Lord, please help me to get the victory in my life. And, you know, the Lord is ready and willing to hear our cry, ready and willing to, to answer us if we will call unto him. I praise the Lord that he is. I praise the Lord for verses like 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a blessed thought that is that the Lord is willing and ready to forgive us, not just at the point of salvation, but in our daily lives, to forgive us of the things where we go astray, where we, uh, where we willingly and knowingly make choices that are wrong and against the Holy Scripture. And Isaiah came to this point. He came to this point where he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And then when he got right, when he repented of his sin, we see in verse number, we see that the Lord cleansed him in verse number seven, saying, This hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. He will do that. And in verse number eight, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Maybe you're like, maybe you're down here at this point in your life where something has eclipsed the view of Almighty God. Someone, something has eclipsed the view of Almighty God. But you can get that right. You can see God for who he is. He's still the same God. He is a holy God. You can get into his word. You can spend time in prayer and get alone with the Lord and you can see the Lord for who he is. And as you get into, your, uh, into the word and as you get into prayer and spend time with the Lord, the Lord, the spirit of God, if you are his child, he will lead you. He will guide you. And that is one of the signs of being a child of God is that you will be led by the spirit of God. And he will reveal those things in your life that need to be made right. And then as you come to that place where you see the Lord for who he is, you can get those things right. Uh, in your life. You can claim 1 John 1, 9 and other passages of scripture and you can get those things right and then you can find yourself down at this place where you hear the voice of God. It ought to be the desire of every one of us to hear the voice of God. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to know that the, the Lord is, is leading me and guiding me, that I am in the center of his will and there is no better place than to be in the center of of God's will. Young person, old person, it doesn't matter. I remember as a young person meeting a lady in her, probably in her 60s, who had already worked a full career. She was a widowed woman, and God called her to the Philippines. And she surrendered. She went. She went on deputation the whole bit and, and served out her retirement years in the Philippines. I've seen, I've seen people that were brought up in, in Christian homes and surrender young and surrender to the Lord and, and go to the field. Then, you know, our, you know, I see people middle-aged like us. I'm 37 years old. I, I worked for 10 years for Chesapeake Energy and, and worked in some other industries before that, but just faithfully serving the Lord in our church. And then the Lord said, I want you to go. You know, no matter the stage of your life, we ought always be willing to obey the Lord 
And uh, it doesn't mean that you're going to be called to England. It doesn't mean that God's going to send you to Africa. It just means that you're surrendered to whatever God's will is for your life. And it may be England. It may be Africa. But you know what? If you're in God's will, he's going he's to provide for you every step of the way. There's not, there's not going to be anything like it. And if you're not in the will of God, uh, it's a sad place to be. But praise the Lord that we get to serve him. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we love you and thank you for the opportunity to hear your voice, for the opportunity, Lord, to serve you. And I pray that it would be our desire to see you for who you are, Lord, that we would have our hearts right with you. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here tonight, Lord, who you're dealing with about some area of service, some area of surrender, that they would they would do that, Lord. If there's anyone here tonight that uh, you're working on their life about focusing on the right things, that uh, their priorities are right in their life. I pray that, that their priorities would be made right. Whatever the case or circumstance is, I pray that each and every person in, in this room would desire to, to walk with you, to talk with you, and to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor. Let's, uh, let's have our heads bowed, eyes closed, and as... Uh, we're just going to have it quiet for the next few moments, and I just want to give us an opportunity to talk to the Lord ourselves individually about uh, perhaps something that God has spoken to your heart about, and uh, I'll go ahead and just be quiet and let you have a time of prayer there in your seat. <laughs>